It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for some midweek news with our friend covering the Jets over at nj.com, Mr. Daryl Slater. Daryl, the calm before the storm was a couple of weeks ago. Then the storm hit. Jets had a flurry of moves. And then there were some moves here in the second wave that we're going to talk about. How are you holding up after all this furious activity? I'm doing well. Yeah, doing all right. I mean, the Jets obviously had a lot of moves there on Monday. Well, you know, Corey Davis, Carl Lawson, and then, you know, really, I mean, let's call it for what it is. Free agency starts on Monday. I mean, that's what that's what <laughs> I've been writing the whole time. Uh, the, the, the fact that Wednesday is the signing window, I mean, that has just become totally meaningless at this point. So um, the Jets, on the, I guess you call it day one of free agency, made those moves and then uh, you know, you know, not as much after that. Obviously, they gave 50, 57 million dollars guaranteed to two guys, fully guaranteed there. So obviously, they're going to take their foot off the gas a little bit because they're going to have to. Um, but you know, as you mentioned, a couple moves here in the past couple of days and second wave of free agency as Joe Douglas starts, you know, kind of putting a bow on this and moving toward the draft. Let's start with what happened first because the Jets did make a couple of player moves today. But before we get into that, I want to address what Corey Davis said at his introductory presser. First of all, his Wi-Fi really wasn't that good because he broke up a couple of times. That's where this is very different because of what's going on right now. If this had been in person, you would have had a much clearer picture. But what actually made news here is the fact that Corey Davis said that it was his understanding that Sam Darnold would be the starting quarterback. In fact, let's get the actual quotes the situation, it is what it is. Obviously, I'm coming in with my understanding that Sam is the guy. That doesn't scare me away at all. I've seen Sam do great things. So everybody's taken that and begun running with it, Daryl, and making it sound like that means that Sam Darnold is staying, that Joe Douglas and the brain trust for the Jets have told him Sam Darnold is going to be the quarterback. But Corey Davis has a reputation for being very careful with his words. And if you read what he actually said, I don't think he said that at all. He's saying that his understanding is that Darnold will be the guy, I assume, based on the fact that Darnold is the current starting quarterback. He didn't say that Joe Douglas said, Darnold's our guy, we're not drafting someone, we're not trading for someone. So I think people are really reading way too much into this, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to also understand the question in something like this. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're in the flow of like listening to the, the thing, if you watch the whole thing live, I mean, you would see the question, which was, I think having to do with, Hey, did it scare you off here that there's an uncertain quarterback situation? And, um, and you know, they don't know if Sam's going to be around or whatever. I forget exactly what the question was, but it was when he said, it doesn't scare me off. That was in a question saying, does it scare you off? Okay. So first of all, 
Is he going to say, yes, it scared me off. That's why I accepted an offer from this team. No, he's not going to say that. You always have to ask yourself, what do you expect the guy to say? These guys who have been in the league for long enough understand the things they have to say to not make waves. They're trying mm-hmm. to say the right thing. Um, of course, he's not going to say Sam is Darnold is terrible. Like, obviously, <laughs> like he's going to praise him. Right. So you, you, you have to understand that. Like the guy is always going to try to say the right thing, the positive thing and stick with whatever he believes is, is like the status quo and not trying to make news. It, like if they told him we're looking into drafting a quarterback, do you think he would go on that zoom and, and say that? Of course not. He's, he understands way too smart to fit, you know, to, to, to do that. So I, I think, you know, there's no point in reading too much into this. There was a follow-up question, which was basically, it was basically feeding him the answer that he gave, which was, so you're saying that, that Corey that or that Sam Darnold is your your understanding is that he is he's the starting quarterback, and then he's like, yes, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the whole thing is like a charade, you know. Like, come on, like, uh, like <laughs> I, I didn't even write anything off of it. Like, I guess I could have written something punching some holes in it or whatever. But, um, you know, and I, I obviously, you know, I understand, you know, writing off that. And but if you do write off that, you know, you have to kind of put it in context. If these are the questions and you have to couch it in what else would you expect the guy to say you know a guy like that is trying to say um the right thing number one and number two like even if they did tell him in the course of that interview like are we really like sam um you know we we have confidence that he can be the guy you know they're not going to spill the i think rich samini tweeted this and it was a good point they're not going to spill their beans about their plans Mm -hmm. to a guy you know during the course of uh, a, a free agency chat when they don't know, you know, if he's even going to sign with them, he may, he, Corey Davis mentioned he had another offer and you know, maybe he, he would have taken that offer and spread that Intel around the league. So yeah. So the whole thing, don't read too much into it. None of it guaranteed Sam Darnold's roster spot. I think there was a possibility all along that they would keep Sam Darnold. And I think there still is, but you know, you and I agree that would be the wrong move, but, um, but I don't think this, these comments really have anything to do with it one way or the other. Yeah, Daryl, I think that's the key. The Jets may keep Sam Darnold, they may not. But Corey Davis's comments don't give away anything in terms of strategy. As you said, what was he supposed to say when asked that question? And more importantly, the Jets weren't going to give away their plans. And as I said on Twitter, too, of course Sam Darnold is the quote-unquote presumed starter until the Jets make a move otherwise. If they keep Darnold, then he's the starter. But for now, he's the starting quarterback on the roster. And so until they do something else, there's no reason for Corey Davis to be under the assumption that somebody else will be starting in 2021. What happens from here is a different story, but as far as Corey Davis's comments, they really don't mean anything. Although, I will say this, if the Jets don't draft a quarterback, that competition is not going to be between Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco, at least, because Joe Flacco signs a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles, so there will be a new backup in town. Of course, I guess there's the possibility that James Morgan takes a step forward and takes the backup job, but most likely, you're looking at a veteran and a veteran whose name will not be Joe Flacco. Yeah, I think if you look at Joe Flacco, he probably wasn't going to be a system fit for what the Jets were, were doing here under Michael Floor and the Mike Shanahan style uh, West Coast offense, which of course everyone remembers from the great Jeremy Bates and Sam Darnold's rookie year. So, um, yeah, like they needed a more mobile quarterback. Um, and, and look, Sam Darnold does kind of fit that role, right? I mean, he, he can do those things, but like Joe Flacco at the stage of his career was not going to be the type of guy they needed for this offense. So he goes down to Philly. 
and uh, Jalen Hurts is there, and um, you know, obviously they have their own situation with um, their court, young quarterback trying to prove himself. Uh, obviously, earlier in his career than Sam Darnold is right now, but um, yeah, I, I think that as they look at the backup quarterback situation, obviously it's going to depend on whether you have a rookie or whether you have Sam Darnold. Um, in here and the Jets obviously are going to take their time making that decision here as we tick toward the end of March and, 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 and the BYU pro day actually coming up later this week. So um, maybe we'll get some clarity here early in April uh, about what the Jets might do. And, and maybe that's when you see the move made with Sam Darnold being shipped out of town, but you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of what ifs there. Play like a jet, play like a jet. A lot of what-ifs at quarterback, but not as many what-ifs now at running back and edge rusher. Let's talk about the latest moves the Jets made. And the first one is Vinnie Curry. He signs a one-year, $1.3 million deal. Could be worth up to $2 million if he hits certain incentives. He is a steady Eddie if ever there was one at the edge position. Eight seasons in the league, 32 and a half sacks, 92 quarterback hits. He had one year where he had nine sacks, but other than that, he's really just a stabilizing presence there. Good depth, 32 years old, so he's not exactly in the prime of his career, but he was still okay last year for Philly. Jets had interest in him last year before he decided to stay in Philly on a one-year deal. Joe Douglas knows him from their time together in Philadelphia, and so even though the Jets went out and made a huge investment in Carl Lawson, they weren't done adding at the position. They will probably still do something in the draft, but Curry, if nothing else, gives them a veteran presence there on the edge, which they really needed. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to a four-three defense here, and that you know the the onus falls on your on your ends to to get the pass rush there. And Carl Lawson will be at one end spot, and of course, with the other end, you know, you lose Henry Anderson, but you know, been a dis- it was a huge disappointment. The Jets cut him. Um, so what do they do at the other end? And Kyle Phillips is a guy who you know people who paid really close attention to the team know that he has kind of done some encouraging things over the past two years since coming in as an undrafted rookie in 2019, but obviously not proven over the long haul. Uh, you look at Curry's numbers and they're kind of, you know, eh, whatever for the sack wise the past few years. But if you look at his PFF grades last year, he was pretty good as a mm-hmm. pass rusher. And he, he only played, I think 28% of the snaps last year in 10 games. And even when he played a full season in 19, I think he was at 39% of the snaps. So he's been, you know, a situational guy who hasn't not really been a starter except for the one year in, in his entire career. Um, but if you look at the production, and the bang for your buck you're getting in the efficiency, you know, he can still do some good things at this stage of his career. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. I mean, it's obviously a modest contract. I think there's some good value potential there. And maybe there's going to be a rotation at that other defensive end spot opposite Carl Lawson, you know, unless they draft someone saying like the third round or something and slot the rookie as a starter, or maybe someone in the second round. So I think that's what they're looking at, uh, you know, right now. I mean, Carl Lawson is going to be the guy they're going to depend on to get most of the production in terms of, pass rush and sacks and quarterback hits but uh vinnie curry adds a you know a proven option there um and look i i like the contract i think it's good i mean there's no arguing with that i mean it's it's for basically for pennies you know for someone at that stage of his career just to probably really above the league minimum so uh I, you know i don't know maybe i don't know what the league minimum is for someone his, his uh age range probably eight or nine maybe a hundred thousand dollars so um you know, pretty good. I, and, and gives Vinnie Curry a chance to stay home. He's obviously spent all those years in Philly. He's from Neptune, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Monmouth County. Um, so really uh, right between Philly almost kind of sort of and Florham Park. So 
a good opportunity for him to kind of uh, stay home and, and really play out the twilight of his career. Maybe this is the last season. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, I, th- I, you know, I think that it, it, it's beneficial for kind of both sides in that regard. A guy that Joe Douglas knows, a guy that Robert Sala obviously trusts, not just as a veteran presence on the defensive line, but also a potential leader in the locker room. And that's the culture that they want to build. They want to bring in guys that are lunch pail types, guys that are going to work hard, that aren't going to cause problems. And like we said before with Corey Davis, he has a reputation for being smart with his words. Those are the types of guys that they want here. They don't want guys that are going to make waves and give you guys stuff to write about, to be quite frank about it, Daryl. And another guy that falls into that category is Tevin Coleman, the running back. Ironically, in 2019, when the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell, the buzz is that Adam Gase preferred Coleman because he would have cost less money and he felt he could have done a lot more with him in his scheme. Now Coleman comes in here on a one-year deal worth up to $2 million with incentives. So it's basically the same deal that was given to Vinny Curry. A couple of years ago, he got a nice contract with San Francisco. So from that perspective, it's a nice buy. He was hurt a lot last year, though. was on injured reserve for a good portion of the season. Only had 28 carries, so not much doing there. But before that, he was fairly productive. Talking about a guy who would average four yards a carry or more every year, could rush the ball and catch it out of the backfield, had six touchdowns his first season in San Francisco, and his second year in Atlanta was his best year. He had eight touchdowns rushing the ball, three receiving, so double digits there. 27 years old, so a little long in the tooth for a running back. It's kind of a depressing thought, Daryl, that you're talking about a 27-year-old person as long in the tooth, but we're talking about football, not life here, and that's the reality if you're a running back. Again, injured last year, not all that productive, but over the course of his career, he's been pretty solid. They needed a veteran running back here because all they really had in that running back room as of now was Josh Adams and Ty Johnson to go with LaMichael Pirine going into his second season. Nobody there has been any kind of proven presence. Now they get Tevin Coleman, not going to be a feature back, but at least he's somebody that can push these running backs. And quite frankly, for the amount of money that he was given, if they draft somebody in the draft or if he gets beaten out in training camp, he could be released at the drop of a hat anyway. So there's nothing not to like about this move. You know, I think it works, you know, and system-wise too. You know, I think that, that, that there's a lot to like there. Obviously, he was in San Francisco with Michael Lafleur knows knows the offense. So, um, somebody who can work with the younger guys and Pirine, especially who they hope, I'm um, sure, will become a starter here and become more of a reliable presence um, with more opportunities. Uh, Tevin Coleman can help him, help Michael Pirine, and help some of those other guys work into this offense, which obviously is a departure from what the Jets were doing last season with Adam Gase. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good pickup from that perspective. I think Joe Douglas, you know, wait, waited it out here, you know, to the second wave of free agency and got a couple guys in, in Curry and Coleman uh, where there was some familiarity and some system familiarity and personality familiarity uh, there uh, and good value deals are, you know, is either of these guys going to be a difference maker in the tipping point for whether uh, the Jets are uh, you know, any good this year? Of course not. I mean, uh, that, that'll fall to more important players. But, the, you know, I think these guys have certainly a, a fairly important role to play in not only in terms of, uh, you know, performing when they're called upon, but also kind of um, working with some of the younger guys because it's still a pretty young locker room. Like you mentioned, Curry, good locker room guy at that age. 
could kind of help be a steady presence in that regard. Coleman, you know, not a not a, a, a plus 30 guy in terms of his age, but a guy who knows the scheme and can kind of be um, um, a coach type on the field with some of the, the running backs um, and, and helping Michael Floor implement this thing. And, and remember what is what is his first uh, stint as an offensive coordinator. So that, that'll be important for him to have guys um, out there who know what they're doing are, are already. And Kevin Coleman certainly provides that. Daryl, last order of business, I thought this was interesting, only because a couple of pretty plugged-in guys suggested it. Now, I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to happen, but it's a fascinating scenario. Mike Tannenbaum, the former Jets general manager, said that he believes it would be in the best interest of the Jets, the Seahawks, and the Bears to work out a three-team deal where Seattle would get Sam Darnold. Apparently, Pete Carroll likes Darnold. There's been reports about that. Wilson goes to Chicago, and then the draft picks come from Chicago for both Seattle and the Jets. And so the Jets would trade Darnold, the Seahawks would trade Wilson, Darnold goes to Seattle, Wilson goes to Chicago, the Jets get draft pick compensation for Darnold. And then Mel Kuyper came out and said that Seattle should strongly consider trading for Darnold if they move Russell Wilson. So a lot of chatter about the possibility of Sam Darnold going to Seattle that would be something that would come completely out of left field because up until that report a couple of days ago that Pete Carroll liked Darnold, there was no thought whatsoever that there was even the slightest possibility that Sam Darnold can end up there. Now, as I said, I'm not saying I expect this to happen, but it's very interesting to think about because if Seattle were to go ahead and trade Russell Wilson to the Bears, there's no way they'd be able to get a replacement for Wilson in the draft this year because the Bears' first-round pick is number 20. If they were to get Darnold as part of the deal, and if Carroll believes in him at only 24 years old, that could be the young quarterback that they wouldn't be able to draft. So a scenario that is not super likely, but I wouldn't put it completely out of the question if Chicago does come back to the table about Russell Wilson, we know that they signed Andy Dalton, but I'm sure that if they had another crack at Russell Wilson, they wouldn't turn it down. I'm sure they, I'm sure they would not turn it down like that. That's absolutely. They would, they would, they would love it, you know, to be able to trade for Russell Wilson. The, the big, what if here is Seattle wanting to give him up and I just don't see it. You know, I think that's the domino that is the big one that has to fall and that probably won't fall. I, I think ultimately Things get worked out there, and um, it you know it'll it'll work for both both sides. I think that you know you keep Russell Wilson happy, and you know he's playing obviously he's one of the better players in the league at his position. You know you want to keep a guy like that happy, and you want to keep a guy like that around. I just don't see any way that Seattle trades him. You know you got a coach who's what Pete Carroll's like seventy something years old. Like obviously he knows his window is closing in terms of uh, you know being. A coach in the league, he's not—he's going to coach till he's 85 years old uh, and, and winning another Super Bowl. So Russell Wilson is his best chance to do it. I'm sure he likes Sam Darnold, but he has to look at this objectively and understand, <laughs> obviously he understands Russell Wilson gives him a better chance to win now, which is sort of the mindset that franchise is in right now. So uh, yeah, I think it would be you know interesting possibility to talk about you know and uh, and the other thing is Mike Tannenbaum never really met a trade he didn't like, right? I mean, like my goodness, <laughs> like that trade is like mm-hmm. you know fantasy football Madden level like bonkers um but which it would be cool to see I don't I don't I don't see any way it happens you know how many of these deals have have been bandied about in 
you know, late March, February over the past, however many five, six, seven years, you can go back and look on and like, kind of like chuckle about, remember that, you know, remember that, you know, this team potentially maybe landing, you know, this quarterback in like an insane, insane deal. I think that maybe we'll look back on this like that. Um, I guess never say never, like you said, but it seems really unlikely. I agree. But the fact that Mike Tannenbaum threw it out there makes it very enjoyable because as you said, if there was ever a general manager in the NFL who was in Madden mode at all times, it was Mike Tannenbaum. So you would figure that if there was a former general manager that would propose something like this, it would be him. Daryl Slater covering the Jets for NJ.com. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. I know you got plenty going on at NJ.com. Last week, there was a wild frenzy of stuff to write about. This week, it's calming down a little bit. But that doesn't mean you don't have quality content up, right, Daryl? Yeah, I mean we got we have you know plenty of jets and, and, and certainly giant stuff. People are interested in that up there uh, right now, and looking forward to you know a little post up there right now about what the Vinnie Curry signing uh, means for this team, and then uh, looking forward to the draft in the coming days here. Where you know, really tomorrow we're talking Wednesday night right now, and tomorrow is Thursday. It's five weeks till the draft. Crazy to think about. So. Um, It'll be fascinating to see what the Jets do. And, and then, like I said, uh, Friday, I think it's Friday, uh, the pro day for Zach Wilson. So um, Jets fans will have their eyes on that. And, um, and then, of course, Jets brass will have, especially have their eyes on that as they try to you know, figure out what they're going to do with the number two pick. That is the number one question surrounding the Jets right now, and it will continue to be the number one question surrounding the Jets until they make a selection at number two or, of course, trade out of the pick. That's when we'll find out exactly what they're doing. But until then, Daryl will have a lot of content up for you at NJ.com, and we'll have plenty up for you as well at playlikeajet.com, including Clayton Smarslock's top targets that the Jets should go after in week number two of free agency, which Clayton and Luke Grant discussed on our second edition of Play Like a Jet Live on YouTube. That's up right now on our YouTube channel. Brand new video from Kayla Pace as well. Pace's Playbook, her second edition. Everybody loved her first video. I think this video is even better, if you can believe it. So go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel and visit playlikeajet.com. And also, if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, I really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. <laughs>